0: Hello boys and girls, and welcome to another episode of the Here Today podcast. I'm Charlie, and with me as always are Amanda and Morton. Hi Uh, Charlie. Hello Charlie. Hello both of you. And we're happy to
1: have Morton back after his absence last time.
0: Yeah? You don't sound too enthusiastic about it, I've got to say.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that was was the best response to that one. Good. Speaking of
1: absences...
0: Guys, guys, Prince died. The fuck is up with that? Amanda, begin.
1: <laughs> it's um, really not a good year to have been a fan of any sort of sparkly extraterrestrial unicorn musicians because we seem to be losing them all. Um, I have to say, mercifully, uh, I, Prince did not occupy the same place in my heart as Bowie did because I would not have been able to get out of bed Mm. Um, And I know quite a few people who had the same or greater love for Prince, and I don't know how they have gotten out of bed.
0: I I suppose the difference is, um, I think Prince's better days are definitely behind him by now. Or would would you disagree with that?
1: I would disagree with that. I think... um I think Prince was probably at that point in his career where he wa- like his fan base was still as strong and as rabid as it was, you know, ten years ago, tw- maybe twenty years ago, and he was still create. Like, have you heard about the vault? There's the infamous no. Prince vaults where he had all the like that it was rumored to be somewhere in the Paisley Park complex where he had all these recordings stashed away. And it was a real thing, and they found it, and nobody knew the combination, so they... yeah, Nobody knew the combination, so they had to drill into it, because it was an actual, like, Scrooge McDuck bank vault, and apparently they found something like 21,000 recordings in there. Oof. Unreleased material. (laughs) Who's going to listen to that? There are people who will listen to it. Um... And it's really, like, I think even because he was so young, like, I feel like this is probably taking people by great... And he was outperforming, you know, a week before. Yeah,
0: he was, what, he was still in his 50s, wasn't he?
1: 57, yeah, so quite young. And he was, yeah, he played a show, like, the week he died. He was, like, out and in public, and, you know, he was hardly a recluse. So I don't know if he just is more if he was more central to American culture, because he really, like, he really shook things up in the 80s. Yeah. And he still was, it's amazing, like, he, he's kind of outside the classic rock canon, because he's, you know, a decade later that he really appeared on the scene, so mm. he hasn't really been canonized in quite the same way yet, but he has a sort of, like, mainstream position that isn't mm. really associated with like a lot of, like, you know, it's weird to think of Prince happening at the same time as, say, post-punk or new wave.
0: I suppose one of the reasons he's hard to canonize was just because it's also quite hard to categorize quite to right some to categorize. extent. You know. And still
1: very much alive. Like, again, somebody who was still writing at insane rates and recording mm. at insane rates and playing mm. shows is hard to really think of as a past tense figure, even if you know he was not reaching... He was one of those artists that maybe his like the peak of his success was behind him. But.
0: Yeah, well, you know, one of the reasons that he might not have been as as mourned, maybe. I mean, I I don't know what his touring schedule was, but I mean, if you think about it, he's one of the very few people who. Like, he his life his mission in life over the last sort of decade has been to just sort of fight against the internet, yeah. and so I think more or less one, to be honest, which is the bonkers part of it. Yeah. So he's sort of removed from that world entirely. So I, I can imagine that, you know, there'll be, unlike Bowie to some extent, where each generation can can come at him anew, uh, like this, you know, kids these days have a bit more of an issue when it comes to prints because...
1: It was a level of control. Where did access it? Yeah, it was extraordinary because the level of control he exercised over his career, like that whole phase of being known just as a symbol, was really just to fuck with his record label. Mm. Um, so you have to admire that. Yeah, and no. He's, and somebody to say like, who could say like, okay, I'm sick of the terms of this contract, it's not fair, and it's not, um, here's... Ten albums worth of material, so now you have to let me out because I've met my side of the bargain. Not my fault if you don't want to release it. Mm-hmm. Um, so in many ways, like for, as frustrating as it could be for a consumer, this is somebody who definitely like believed in his artistic vision above like profitability. Which is something really, I mean, it's not normal for a pop musician. That's the sort of thing you see much more in, like, the avant-garde.
0: Uh, yeah, sort of. I, I would quibble that with that a
1: bit. Yeah, I mean, it's something that tends to happen, I think, only later in artists' careers, where they said, okay, no more of this now. I'm just going to do it my own way. And, yeah. you know, when they no, make their just... millions and they can say, I don't need you anymore, I don't care. Mm. No,
0: no, I mean, I can understand that, but I think... Where Prince went off is just sort of removing himself entirely.
1: Well, but that's actually and this segues into our next topic of conversation: the place where you can find Prince's entire back catalog is Title. Oh.
0: oh God, <laughs> I was gonna, I was going to say, well, on the Pirate Bay, because. <laughs> that's also a
2: blessing.
1: I'm Sure, yeah, but I'm also sure that they get served with takedown notices faster than you could shake stick at. So. You think? But you can find it all on Tidal, which is where you can also
0: find... Don't do it, guys. We love her, but don't do it. Please continue.
1: <laughs> the Beyoncé record. Woo!
0: <laughs> now, because I don't... Because I'm vehemently against Title, I don't know why I'm against it, but I just am, for some reason. I have not... Had access to this yet? It's been all over the news. Everyone's talking about it, but sadly, I haven't been able to yet. Amanda, what can you tell us about it?
1: Oh, it's um, it's funny because I was listening to it with a group of people. Like I was um, just I was just hanging out with a group of people, and somebody put on some music, and I was like, "Oh, it's the Beyonce record." it was very exciting. and somebody else was like, "Wait, is this Beyonce?" I'm like, yeah. She's like, "It does." She's like, "It just doesn't click with me as." Beyonce, and Mm. I think it's actually um, really says a lot about artist development that she has kind of accessed so many different kinds of samples as to put together something that doesn't really immediately resonate as like okay sparkly pop record, Mm. okay, you know, you know concrete hip hop record. It's it's got a very interesting vibe to it. I think in a lot of ways, it's funny because it's on. The fact that it's on title I think is like a stumbling block for a lot of people who aren't already beyonce fans because they're not we've reached that sort of weird apex where people aren't going to buy a record they're mm-hmm. going to stream a record mm-hmm. yeah. and that's how she's chosen to make it available for streaming, but you can buy it on iTunes as well but i it, it it's kind of ironic because otherwise I think for you know rock music fans, this would be the most accessible record that she's made
0: yeah. Because
2: uh
1: is but like someone like Jack is Jack White. Jack White is on it. Uh Father John Misty is on it. Oh, oh, I know you both yeah. Um But
2: he sounds qualified well, isn't he? I
1: believe Well yeah, but you know, like he, well but he doesn't set the terms of her licensing agreements. <laughs> 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 uh he just appears on the record, so does uh, Ezra Koenig, he oh, okay. Vampire Weekend, he wrote uh he wrote a hook for it, so
0: See, as a recording, I can imagine that, but Father John Misty. Exactly, somewhere.
1: how strange. So mm. it's um, yeah, for all the indie rock kids out there, this is if you haven't listened to a Beyonce record, I think this is probably the record to get into. Mm. Mm.
2: It is kind of interesting that that because because of these different services, you are you are like cut out of certain certain artists and, and you just don't listen to it. That's one of my favorite band. one of mm-hmm. my favorite bands too. I do listen
1: to them anymore. Well, that's, you know, I mean, that's Some a items. consumer choice. It's so funny to think that when it's like, okay, but you know, 10 years ago, we had to buy records if we wanted to hear them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, we didn't have, we're talking about like YouTube being in such a na- nascent state that, you know, they probably didn't have any videos up there. Mm-hmm. So it's not that Long ago, that you actually had to really invest in a real way in mm. order to hear music. That mm. you either, if you wanted to hear more than one song randomly played on the radio when the programmers decided to play it, mm. you had to buy the record.
2: Yeah, yes. but then there was some other factors that decided what, the, like now it's now it's it's a, it's a corporate choice. It was if you
0: a corporate to... choice
1: back then. It's, it's
0: like, a co- it's a console. It's like the console wars again, right? Yeah. You know, some things are already going to come out on whatever Xbox. Then,
2: and then, yeah, I'm not <laughs> listening to titles alright I'm here. It's yeah. like, I might like it, but I'm not on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause
0: I mean, again, these are subscription-based things. So <laughs> although people although some people like to say, oh, you know, uh, it seems like people are getting stuff for free. I mean, we're not. We're paying for this shit, no, that's really and we're paying every month. Mm-hmm. So you know, you buy your album, you pay the fixed amount for it. It's yours for life. Yeah. No matter, and then what you do with that album really doesn't impact that person, that, the artist anymore. Mm. But you know, every time, every time I listen to it on Spotify, it'll be less. But they obviously get a fraction of that, mm-hmm. but they get it every single time. If I probably yeah, if I listen to someone enough, I pro- I've probably probably well, paid for that album a while. You're
1: back. looking at like you'd have to spin a record like a couple hundred times for them mm-hmm. to get the same equivalent as if you bought it once. Yeah, and that's if they've got you know that's for an artist who has actually like a really good contract terms like the terms of a contract through Spotify for Spotify through a major label are actually a big question mark because the major labels don't disclose it. Mm. So independent artists who have, you know, much more transparent contract terms, they're the ones who have to probably have their record played a couple hundred times mm. in order to get the equivalent of a single purchase. Now, if you're looking at it as, well, I played this record a couple times on Spotify, but I never would have bought it. That's different altogether. Mm. So, which for, that's the case for me a lot of times, especially if I'm reviewing one record and I want to go back and listen to an artist's catalog to get context for it, mm-hmm. a lot of those artists, there's a good chance I wouldn't have been listening to those songs. Mm. So, you know, and definitely for research, I wasn't going to go out and buy, you know, five records on my own dollar to or krona or whatever. Yeah. So, whatever <laughs> currency we're working with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah oh, it's a weird one.
0: it's a tough one. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure what I'm not sure entirely what you know which side I, I'm on, but I kind of on um, I suppose one thing I believe is that anyone who's trying to sort of say, oh you know we need to go back to the old days mm-hmm. is you know delusional I think you know like technology has done what it's done and we need to find a way to deal with it Now, one of those ways might just be that you know what guys from now on if you're a musician you're not going to make any money you're going to have to have another job well, and that, then,
1: that was kind of the way I mean, and i could
0: be okay with that i don't see why that's a huge Issue because most musicians don't I, have like full time jobs. Ever. I can't be can't, okay. Don't have full time job playing music. Yeah, but I, I can't see why be that's okay. An issue.
2: I, 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 well, I can be okay with people not getting like ridiculously rich, but I can't be okay with people like spending their life producing art and not getting paid. And not getting paid. I'm, I'm not okay with it. I'm not okay with, uh, with the writers we... not getting paid. I'm not okay with people who are doing things that I actually value a lot, mm. which is good writing, good music, it, they're not getting paid. I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with people who do things that I don't give a shit about, who doesn't create any kind of value getting paid a lot of money.
1: Yeah. That's the thing about the whole disruption model is that it essentially means... I, I, somebody posted on Twitter, it's like, the thing where disruption actually means like all the wealth appro- goes to approximately eight people who disrupt it. Who are not actually yeah.
2: contributing with anything. Yeah. Like They are not the content. The content... But
0: hasn't uh, sure. that always been the case? I
2: mean,
1: since when... Yeah,
0: since
2: I mean, it has, but I'm still not okay with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, but that's the thing too, is that when you look at, really where we have like the shift in the model is that, because a thing that a lot of people don't understand is that artists never really made money under the label system, like, mm. the overwhelming majority of artists did not make money under that system, There, it's people didn't understand how like advances worked where you got X amount of money mm. to deliver, mm. to make and deliver a record. And then until you recouped on that, you never got another penny. And so artists always have traditionally had to make money off of touring. Like it mm. was, yeah. that was how you got paid. That's really not new. Um, but where you are seeing more of a, of a, you know, a redistribution. I think is that increasingly money is going to technology outfits as opposed to A and R and label people, who at least had to do talent scouting. Mm,
2: mm. Another another thing is that it's, um, it's like when when for example in photography when you had Kodak mm. they employed maybe one hundred and fifty thousand people mm. or even more, and then you had Instagram, who employed. Maybe twelve, twenty people when they sold it for a billion dollars, and the founders of Instagram got richer than the founder of Kodak ever got, and it took them one or two years. Yeah, and it's just ridiculous. No, I mean that
0: is ridiculous, but that's just sort of mm-hmm. the current nature of
1: yeah, I mean sort
0: of that bonkers sort of area.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think what we're seeing really with a lot of tech startups is exactly what you saw with, like, indie bands in the 90s, where everybody's...
0: (laughs) People invested.
1: in it. Exactly. I mean, you had a lot of bands who got signed to major labels in the 90s because of Nirvana, Mm. who never like and in some cases like there are bands that I loved that would never have been given a chance and somehow managed to put out three albums Mm. because they could have been the next Nirvana and that's great but then you had a bunch of really shitty bands who were given tons of money and either didn't make records or made terrible records or you know you had cases of there was this one guy, this one band, um, this Irish band called Roller Skate Skinny, and I remember. Yeah, stick with me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, these were people who knew how to play the game. They got, they were given like a three million dollar advance to make a, to make records, and they're like, you know, the lead singer who eventually ended up in another band in New York. Um, he was like, you know, he was like, we knew we were never gonna make a record that was gonna sell three million dollars worth of. He's like, so he's like, we got, he's like, we, the four of us lived for years on that money and just kind of did what we wanted. We made the music we wanted, we toured when we wanted, and it was great, but we knew we were never going to be a huge success, so mm. just sort of took it and ran. And that's kind of the right attitude, but now you have people like over investing in these weird ass startups that it's like, it's like Uber but four. And it's yeah. like, well, already this is a derivative idea that's not going anywhere. Mm. Why would you invest that kind of money?
0: Yeah, yeah, well, it's the same, yeah, it is the same system, but, I mean, I think that sort of kind of proves two things, though, I mean, first of all, I mean, yes, so the money is all going to platforms, to the technology, mm-hmm. and a lot of these things are, you know, massively overvalued, and, mm-hmm. so, and so but I feel like that's symptomatic of something sort of larger, and yeah. sort of separate to some degree from... The music industry itself, yeah. and then you got the second thing, and then you know, okay, so there's not much spent money spent in the sort of A and R side, but was that ever that good? <laughs> was, uh, what I'm saying is, did they ever achieve more than simple randomness might have achieved? And I would question that.
1: Um, I think under the old system where you where you had less of this democratization of music, yes, because That is how you got an artist like Prince out in front of the masses.
2: Mm.
1: I mean, maybe if you had somebody like Prince starting now using what is out there, okay, but in the 80s without the ANR system, no, it couldn't have happened. In the 80s without, you know, in the 90s without the ANR system, it couldn't have happened. Because there are plenty of there are plenty of fucking weirdos out there that we love but they're not selling millions of records and they never sold millions of records because they didn't have the kind of major backing behind them to get Mm. them out in front of everybody in a pre-internet age now you can make a weird ass video and if it's legitimately weird and legitimately wonderful people will share it around because somebody will be like oh my god check this thing out
2: Mm. YouTube gave us Justin Bieber
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, but that was not that weird. Or, well, well, that was weird, and not wonderful. But uh, still, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, but
0: I feel like you could say, you know, you could say that about many artists <laughs> in the past. I mean, I don't think. I, I wonder whether we're there is anything particularly worse about this time than any other. I don't time. think. Well, I don't, I don't, think, yeah, I don't
1: think it's worse. It's just different, and it's yeah. working with it as different. Mm.
0: Sure. No, I would agree with that. I agree with that. Well, we went, that's quite a tension, we went on there. That's okay,
1: still relevant. <laughs> yeah.
0: Unlike, insert name of band here. <laughs> Speaking of irrelevant, Radiohead might have a new, no. I'll cut, that, I'll cut that out. It is what I believed, but I will cut it out. Yeah. Um,
1: you could skip ahead to Iggy Pal. Because that's kind of. What?
0: <laughs> you were going to say, speaking of irrelevant.
1: No, I so said, we could skip ahead. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. because actually, that's a good point. Is Iggy Pop, who. You yeah, know, let's talk about Iggy Pop. Iggy Pop is kind of a good example of that. You know, when did he finally hit his critical mass? Probably the 90s, you know, mm-hmm. 25, 30 years into his career. I think 90s. Mm-hmm. That was um, when he, like, yes. I mean, he was one of the. He was very much a cult artist, I think, up until yeah. that point. And then suddenly you had the whole train spotting thing, and his music was. Oh, uh, yeah, him. that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he was very much a cult artist. Like, he had some backing, but, you know, the Stooges were too weird. He, as a performer, was too weird. And, mm. you know, you had people who. I think probably liked him for various reasons or various associations, but mm. it wasn't till you know, when they like kind of were like, Hey, lust for life, let's reboot that. <laughs> mm. yeah. He got himself
2: banned from British television by yeah. this Teddy Bear
1: thing. Oh god, yeah.
0: Well you've told I believe you've
2: You'd, told Yeah, you've told
1: before. us the Teddy Bear story. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well
1: to be fair, not that hard to get yourself banned from British television. I thought
0: it was German television when you told that story. Yeah. i believe i believe it was british
1: i believe
0: i believe sure, I believe. Yeah. sure. um so yeah let's talk uh iggy pop new album mm. well ish by now but yeah
1: yeah post pop post
0: pop depression post pop depression. Yeah. depression first of all what do we think about that name
1: we could read a lot into that
0: <laughs> yeah um yeah i wonder i mean obviously there's his name is Pop, so. Yeah,
1: I mean, people are... There is very much, like, the consensus that this is likely his last album and likely mm. his last tour, yeah. and...
0: You think he... You think well, he's yeah. taking a, a note out of David's
1: book. Well, I know quite a few people who said, okay, second artist to record an album in secret this year. Don't want to read too much into it, but a little nervous. But, you mm. know, I mean, he's... What he's what close to seventy now if he's not yeah, ready. And, you know it's the kind of work and lifestyle that certainly takes a toll physically. That
0: mm. yeah, there's yeah. only
1: so, you can only do that kind of work for so long.
0: Hmm. I'm one, I'm just sort of trying to think of some people. Uh, unless you do, uh, so I feel d- there are exceptions to this because I mean, I mean Leonard Cohen <laughs> just yeah. stopped, but he started late, mm. and I can't imagine being the most rowdy of people.
1: No, I mean, versus, like, what you would see of Iggy Pop, like, okay, and stripped to the waist, and pogo up and down, and, yeah. you know, like, it's but, just the, that's just the performance, never mind the physical toll of actually touring, and yeah. But and then again, with I, the my
0: impression of Iggy was that that was a performance. That like you know he is probably a very you know mm-hmm. energetic guy, but I, I feel. That There's probably a side to him that sort of puts the glasses on and reads a bit rather than... I don't (laughs) imagine him being, like, very wild in real life, if
2: that that
1: makes sense. I
2: imagine him being very wild in real life.
1: Well, that's where we can lead into the wonderful example of the Instagram for his cockatoo, Biggie Pop, which is lots of videos of him either playing music to the bird or with music playing in the background and the bird sort of just pogoing himself. Yeah. And Iggy laughing on it. It's delightful. But, but
2: <laughs> he is also an old man. I believe he did, wouldn't have done that in his 30s, 40s, I don't
1: know. I'm, 50s. Think, I'm thinking about getting another bird. Mm. That'd be good. Yeah.
2: I
0: suppose it's that I think... I mean, my impression of him is also... It's sort of gleaned a bit through interviews. Oh, dear. Sorry. I should have put this... Repeat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I mean, my impression of him through interviews Seems to be that he's someone who's, who's sort of a has, you know, as it were, worked on the walked on the wild side, but is also fundamentally kind of a nerdy sort of guy. I mean, I feel like anyone who hangs around, like if your mates are someone like David Bowie and Lou Reed, mm. those are two people who sort of yeah have this wild side, but are also just massive nerds, basically. You know, <laughs> Lou Reed is just a massive nerd about. Rock and roll, and then just sort of turn that into something else. And David Bowie's a massive nerd about more or less everything under the fucking sun, <laughs> you know. But the, the internet. internet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get back to the album. Yes. Yes. Post pop depression.
2: It does certainly sound like his last. But uh, yeah. for me, it, it, I think it's it's, uh, I like it as a goodbye if it is. Mm. It's, uh, it made me instantly think of his Berlin Bowie days. Mm. And I thought,
1: Mm. I like this. There's even a song called German days. (laughs) 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 So, um,
0: well, let's talk a bit about, cause it's not, obviously it's not just him. I mean, whenever people talking about this, also talking about the fact that Josh Holmey and, is it, is it, the rest of Queens of the Stone Age, are they also? Involved? It's um. It I know the
1: touring band is Josh Homme and like everybody in Arctic Monkeys except Alex Turner. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but they're pals too. Yeah.
0: So. I think it's quite interesting because when when you t- if you tell me oh you know we put Iggy Pop and a bunch of Queens of the Stone Age together, I'm the sound I imagine. I mean, I can imagine those things going together, first of all. It's yeah, not like absolutely. it's not an odd combination, necessarily. But um, Queens of the Stone Age, you know, so far, have been, their last few albums have been quite well-produced and a lot, of,
1: a lot really, of stuff there. Yeah, I really liked Clockwork. Was...
0: Yeah. But, uh, but you know, I uh, like Clockwork because is it's very produced. There's a lot... It's not lot quite of that skin and yeah. bone, but uh, production-wise, this this new one is actually quite... Basic mm-hmm. which is which i I enjoy actually, there is a sort of bit more of an intimacy to it than there normally is in for example queens of the stone age you don't intimacy is not something you get
2: yeah um
0: mm-hmm. but you do get that with this there there is sort of a pared downness to it you know, which is interesting and some weirdness right it's yeah. not as in they very clearly have decided okay, we're not just going to make a. A pure rock record Mm. which they could have easily done yeah Mm. Um, perfectly in their power to do and I'm very happy that they decided not to do that I think we're sort of getting to this stage now where bands are starting to realize that we should probably try to let go a lot of this rock baggage
1: yeah and I think that because Iggy has always been kind of a weirdo he's always understood that yeah. too. In a, I mean, even with the Stooges, the Stooges were never really a rock band in themselves. Mm.
0: Yeah, because there are bands who use sort of elements they of were, that to do something else. Yeah, I mean, they were. Maybe that's more. If what they, they were. came,
1: you know, if they came along like five, ten years later, they would have been a punk band. Mm. They would have been, you know, spearheading punk, but. That yeah. Was, by the time <laughs> punk came along, Again, Iggy was hanging out in Berlin, so...
0: <laughs> mm. Well, there are a fair few punks in Berlin, I
1: believe. Now there are, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why. <laughs> but we're talking about Iggy because yeah. he is playing in Copenhagen uh, on May 5th, so oh, yeah. very soon. Uh, um,
0: are, we, are we... No, we're fucking not. No, we're no, I'm fucking not, You're going to not, a... we? You're yeah. gonna be like, did you but you bought tickets?
1: Though. Yeah. Uh Are coming. Up yes, that we're going to that we will be at. Um, I'm actually quite excited about Kevin Morby, who's going to be at Jazz House. Um, he had an album out in April, um, "Singing Saw," which I have to say I like better than anything he's ever done. And he's done a lot of work over the years. He was in Woods for a while. He, I think he's still in the Babies with Cassie Ramone, uh, who was previously in Vivian Girls. And this is actually, I think, his third solo album, so this is, you know, one of those guys that just, you wonder how on earth do you have an output like that. Uh, But it's, it's really quite a special record, so I'm looking forward to that.
2: Eating of this because it's very close. To yeah, here. yeah. It. Um,
0: also coming up, <laughs> Fat White Family, which uh, oh yeah,
1: very exciting.
0: We always get, we get excited whenever we mention them, and for good reason though, especially when we, there's a chance to see them live because they are
2: yeah, be super fun. Yes, mm. and.
1: Super fun, slightly threatening, definitely makes you come away from it feeling quite dirty.
2: And what is the odds that they're gonna get so stoned that they can't play? I feel like nothing.
0: I feel like nothing nothing that Christiania throws at them could possibly, at this stage,
1: is unlikely to throw them at them. I mean, I think (laughs) if they become so stoned they can't play, it's because one of them actually OD'd and needs to go to the hospital. Like, that would probably be the threshold. It's creating an urgency to go see them because mm. when I think about, I mean, one of the great mistakes, and this is, again comes back to Prince who was just playing live, you know, a week before his death, you get to a point where you think, well, but if I don't catch them this time, I'll see them next time. Mm. And that there's a there are a lot of reasons why you should never think that about bands, but when you look at a band like Batwick Family, you should definitely <laughs> say, okay, I'll see them next time because the fuck knows what's going to happen to them exactly. like even between now and when they're supposed to play because they were they've canceled shows in Copenhagen before. yeah yeah um, and I know at one point one of them was like shipped off to rehab in California like in the last within the last year or so mm. it's uh, and you know they go through phases of intensely hating each other So <laughs> there are a lot <laughs> of reasons why a band like that is they're just so volatile that no they might not even make it to the end of the month but mm. yeah so that certainly adds to the charm. But if they're still here in ten years, are we going to be sorry for it? I
2: I, w- I would say like it's it, no predicting that when you have bands that they're being quoted for saying like I only do heroin when I have fourteen hours where I only have to lay on my back and do nothing. Then you know that it's not necessarily a band that will last forever. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no. But we don't we don't need bands to still last
1: forever anyway. No, but so. It's,
2: it's better for them probably but. yeah, for a lot of them but we are excited, yeah. definitely, <laughs> so we're all going to
0: be there, so uh, come and come and say hi to us <laughs> if, if we if everyone makes it <laughs>
1: <laughs> including the band <laughs>
0: yes, well, you know, especially the band the mainly the band, you know um another one
2: yeah, go ahead. who else is playing this next month? The eighth of June is uh, Cross Records is coming to play.
1: Oh, excellent! Yeah, she yes opened for uh, Shearwater at the beginning of the year at Lappen. Yeah, and
2: she actually I wouldn't say she out outshined Shearwater, but
1: she did a
2: pretty good job. Maybe some would say actually some people meant that she outshined Shearwater.
1: Well, now she's going to be headlining where she was just uh, where she was just support mm-hmm. you know five months earlier. So that's a It's a pretty big leap for any artist, I think.
0: Yeah, 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 definitely. And And her new album is pretty
1: good. Yeah, she had an album out in January. It's quite spooky in a delightful sort of way. (laughs) Wabi
0: Sabi, it's called. Speaking of spooky, um, end of the month, DR Concert House, John Carpenter.
1: Yes, that'll be spooky. Yeah. And that's only like going to be like the fourth or fifth show he's ever played. Exactly. He's so it's, only it's a, just started playing live.
2: It's a BFD guys. It's a BFD. What the fuck is a BFD, I'm sorry.
1: It's a big fucking deal. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no so that I think people. that's gonna be very <laughs>
2: exciting. Um,
0: uh, yeah, definitely it's sort of Morten, you're a, you're aware of his Existence. Sonic
1: output. <laughs> It's, that's, as well as his visual. It's a very in, it's it's so in keeping with his films that he's made that you sort of wonder why he wasn't just soundtracking his work all along. Mm. It's so very clearly influenced by the soundtrack work of his. Well, it's soundtrack, but, but he did do the soundtracks. Did he?
0: Yeah, I mean, he's he's going to be performing most of his soundtracks. I mean, hmm. I think any soundtrack of a John Carpenter film you're thinking of, if he did.
1: That's possibly true.
0: you guys about it because this has sort of got us in an interesting place this john carpenter thing i was um i've watched i watched um high rise the other day the new ben wheatley movie the adaptation of uh jg ballard <laughs> uh but jg ballard's novel uh has a great soundtrack i don't know have you seen the film that no. great soundtrack i mean i love a movie where abba's sos is the sort of light motif that expands through it so you know you have the original, then you have some, uh, sort of, uh, string quartet version, and then it <laughs> ends with a head cover of it,
1: Amazing! Which is great, yeah. and,
0: uh, also any song that includes the fall, any, any film that includes the fall is obviously very high on my list, that's why, that's why, you know, Silence of the Lambs is high up there, because it includes <laughs> Hit Priest, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, he, he always has great, um, Movie soundtracks. I was wondering if there are any films in particular that uh, whose soundtracks are were important to you or made you discover something new. Um, I
1: yeah. actually, I have to say that I I didn't get into Nico as a solo artist until the Royal Tenenbaum soundtrack.
0: You and me both, sister. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which was and it was one of those things like I that it, um, I didn't even know it was on that set like it didn't register like I had seen the film and then it was like a year or two later that somebody was just like sending me different tracks to listen to and he was like oh this one's a cover but I think you're gonna like it here you go and he was like don't ask me who did the original which Jackson Brown was the original mm. accent. and I was just like oh wow this is you know so incredible and I was like oh wait she was that's the singer from the Velvet Underground like it was you know, just that time period of like, you start connecting all the dots of the weird, you know, non-mainstream 60s rock music. But uh, yeah, and of course the the scene in that film where they're playing these days is just so, it just like punches you in the gut. like for reasons that I don't even understand, but probably because of that song. Yeah.
0: I feel like, in terms of soundtracks, you have you know your Tarantino, obviously, <laughs> your, Martha, your, your Scorsese, just because of the, the sort of insistence <laughs> on using the Rolling Stones, <laughs> you know. So, I think Scorsese is also super famous for that for that reason. Yeah. But, the, and then the other one is yeah, Wes Anderson, because yeah. I feel like his soundtracks have been vastly influential on people. I, I feel they sort of yeah I've brought up these these artists all over this again. is also
2: uh, lost highway yeah. David Lynch Ramstein for example <laughs> that was my yeah, yeah, that was your, yeah but yeah. it was pretty oh, yeah. it was pretty like pretty good
0: it's a strange one because it was Ramstein yeah. Marilyn Manson but then Barry Adam mm-hmm. Barry adamson Adams Adamson from from the Bad Seeds mm-hmm. and nine inch nails yeah. obviously I guess have yeah.
1: But I also think you can't uh, underestimate Sofia Coppola and ah, her films. yes, um, Marie Antoinette, of course, has a wonderful, like anach- uh, anachronistic post-punk soundtrack. Mm. Um, she also gets very high points on my list for managing to like coax Kevin Shields out of hiding every once in a while yeah. to get him to do work. I
0: mean, I think Lost in Translation was. When did that come out?
1: Uh, Two thousand three,
0: I think. Okay, because I think I'm pretty. I feel like people specifically of my age, they got into uh, Shoegaze because of that movie. Uh, that, that is the movie that sort of introduced, I think, loads of people to Shoegaze. It's
1: funny also because I feel like that that soundtrack and that film in particular completely recontextualized the My Bloody Valentine song, Sometimes, because mm. that was a song that the first time I heard Loveless, I, you know, I absolutely fell in love with that song. And any time I would have read uh, contemporary reviews or even reappraisals of the album sometimes was kind of like considered just like a late track throwaway song it comes before soon it's you yeah. know just no just not as interesting but then when my bloody valentine reappeared suddenly it was like but they didn't play so-. like yeah. that was you know the song everybody, all of a sudden, everybody was talking about, I'm like, okay, now we love it. <laughs> Which I'm okay with, but it's just like... Yeah, it. definitely. But, you know, it did have that, like, you know, emotional moment of Scarlett Johansson, like, half asleep in the back of a taxi That I think, you know, does, it, it, again, it's like one of those moments, like, why is that so effective?
0: Sometimes they sort of feel, in those moments it feels like the, mu- the music was made specifically for that moment. Yeah. I mean, if you think about the, uh, well,
1: you they're... know in Goodfellas,
0: mm-hmm. the, the, what are they playing, Layla, I believe, mm-hmm. in, the, in the scene where it's just sort of slowly panning through all the people <laughs> who've died over this period, yeah. and it's just fucking... Perfect. It was just made. That piece of music was yeah. made for that one scene.
2: <laughs> I'm thinking, uh, uh, but it's only because of. Or it's, it's mainly because of. Uh, they also appear in the movie, but the, mm. the Himmel über Berlin. That's the über Berlin. Ah, the wings yes. of desire with the Tim Vanders. Uh, yes, mm. exactly with the six chime bells with yeah. the. But
1: that's you Peter know,
2: Falk. Crime in the City solution yeah. is really good. It's a good song. Yeah. It's really yeah.
1: good. Uh, but sí. that's, Vim Van Gogh is also um, just one of those directors who like literally choreographs the movements in, within a scene, mm. like it's one of those, and now you move to this point, and now you move to this point, and now you raise your mind. like so, somebody who has a very like musical notion mm. of how he's working.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Another one with the soundtracks, uh, White Hills, Tom uh, oh. Waits, <laughs>
0: Jim Jarmusch. Yeah, Jim Jim Jarmusch is is yeah absolutely another another big guy in this sort of soundtrack. Yeah. People. Um, do you have a favourite on this from Mrs. his films? I'm I'm assuming when you say White Hills that you're thinking Holy Love is, is Left Alive, yeah, right? Exactly. Which has yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a. I slightly, I'm. I was slightly sad that I wasn't a teenager when that film came out. Because, <laughs> my God, I like it now, but can you imagine how much I would have loved that movie? Yeah, <laughs> seen it when like yeah. fifteen I or sixteen. I mean, that would have. Yeah,
1: and I think part of the reasons why I love, you know, Lost in Translation and Royal Tenenbaums and stuff like that is because I was a teenager when those movies came out. Exactly. Exactly.
2: I would like to end this soundtrack talk, if it's okay, with one soundtrack. You want to end this? Oh, it's maybe not, mark. but I'd that you want to return to, to an yeah. uh, analysis we talked about earlier. Mm. And uh, actually, you also mentioned in relation to the soundtrack, Iggy Pop.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes? Yes. Well, please proceed. No. What do you mean, no? no? <laughs> what <the> fuck? <laughs> what do you mean, no? How <laughs> dare you?
2: You guessed yourself.
0: You're t- talking That's about Trainspotting, I right? guess. Yes, exactly.
1: That was an incredible soundtrack. That was a very good soundtrack. And that was really the mass export of Brit pop mm. to the US. That. So what what was on that? Yeah, I think it was Blur. Blur. And Sing. Blur. Damon
0: Albarn had um, like a, his own like little yeah. thing on that, which is quite um, cool. Chemical Elastica. Brothers. No, Under- Underworld. Was
1: it Underworld? Underworld on it. it. Elastica is on it with yeah. two to one, yeah. which is. Pretty much about heroin, so <laughs> um so features the wonderful line, this packet's yours, don't ask for more. Wow. Um great face in circumstances is impossible cannot describe
0: Okay, thank you very much. So that, that was very dismissive. Let's try that again. How do we end this?
1: We've ended it usually on weird notes. I think we've succeeded in ending it on a weird note. <laughs> we just end it on Morton. Okay, we got to no, go now. No,
2: Bye! No, not end it on me, please. <laughs>